Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Welcome back, listener. Rob Tyson here. And in the last episode, I talked to Dave Plunkett about how to run a partner program for lead generation. So do catch up on that show if you missed it. But I'm here today with Adrian Savage. Now, Adrian is an expert in email deliverability. He's the founder and the creator of Deliverability Dashboard, and he is all about helping you to avoid the spam folder and win the email race to the inbox. And this is really important because um, we'll talk about this, but I think email marketing is still the most powerful online marketing channel, but only, of course, if our emails are getting read. And the first step in them getting read is them actually getting delivered. So I can't wait to pick Adrian's brains on all that. But before we welcome Adrian and get into all that good stuff, if you're listening to this show, chances are good you have professional expertise you'd like to monetize with an online business or an online component, perhaps, that breaks the time for money link. And if that's the case, I'd like to invite you. I have a free web class that's going to explain why the Ascension model or value ladder you've probably heard quite a bit about is actually a really bad approach for most people in your position and exactly what you should do right now instead if you'd like to generate real cash flow quickly and finally get on the right track with monetizing your expertise online. So all that is free. All you need to do is pop along to robtyson.net forward slash class for the details. That is robtyson.net forward slash class. So as I said, I'm here with Adrian Savage. Adrian, welcome. Good to see you. Hi, Rob. Thanks for inviting me. You are most welcome. And I think this is a really interesting and uh, valuable topic for people. So what's your background briefly? How did you get into this rarefied area of email deliverability in the first place? It has been quite a journey. Um, I won't go all the way back to when I was seven because that was when I became a geek because my dad brought an Apple II computer home and it was Muggins here who taught him how to use it. Um, I went down a very kind of traditional um, academic corporate career until about nine or ten years ago. my my ex-wife moved to the other end of the country with my kids so i went from seeing them a couple of times a week to every third weekend and that was my big catalyst to get out of corporate life um i took my it geekery and combined that with sales and marketing and i got into the marketing automation space um and then i started to get clients who were having problems getting their emails into the inboxes of their clients and their audiences um so i first created some software to help with that because going back a few years um then it was a lot more of an impact on where your emails were being sent from. So that was my first foray into email deliverability. And since then, I've kept half an eye on that. And then for the last 12 months or so, since there's been some really big changes to how email inbox placement works, then I've had some very clear messages from the world that my expertise is needed. Um, So I'm now focusing maybe not quite 100%, maybe 99% on that. I've got to still got a few other little things in this space that I'm working on. But most of what I'm doing now is just helping people get their emails delivered better, um, creating software that helps them do that, and just sharing the message as much as I can. And what is deliverability in the email context? How do you define that word? 
So there, there is a, a lot of misunderstanding because sometimes people talk about delivery, sometimes people talk about deliverability, and there are two very distinctive things. The first thing is when you are sending an email or when your email marketing system is sending an email, then the job that the, that the technology has is just to get it as far as the recipient's email server. So let's supposing that I use Google and you use Hotmail, then if I'm going to send you an email, then my Google server has got to connect Hotmail and say, here is the email. And as long as Hotmail say, yes, thank you, I have received it, then the delivery has been made. So that's just like a postman posting the letter through the letterbox. The problem is you don't know if there's a dog waiting at the side of that mailbox to, to chew the thing up and run away and it never gets opened by, by the person who, who's meant to get it. Um, and deliverability is that part of it is once it's been accepted by Hotmail or Gmail or whoever, are they going to put it into the inbox or is it going to end up in the spam folder or the promotions tab or heaven forbid, are they just going to throw it in the garbage and it doesn't even get as far as spam, which can happen. And that is where that is the deliverability part. And that is based on a lot more than just where it came from. And that's what we'll talk about today. But that's the key difference. Um, you know, if you're using something like Active Campaign or MailChimp, their job is to get it to the recipient server and they will do a very good job on that most of the time. Um, but then what happens after that, that's where it gets interesting. And and we would gauge this how with open rates, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real challenge because you can't measure deliverability because you know we've got no idea if someone hasn't opened the email. Is it because they didn't care about it? Is it because they were too busy, or is it because Google or Hotmail or whoever blessed them have decided not to put it in the inbox in the first place? So you're quite right. We can infer things through the open rates, and we can look at trends and things like that. Um, and there are some testing tools out there that claim to be able to tell you whether you're hitting the inbox or not. But even those have got their limits. So it is very difficult indeed. And you know, this you know, it's harder than SEO because with SEO, at least you can see where you are on on the search rankings. Um, there's as many different factors to get into the inbox as there are for getting to be number one on Google these days. But it is a much more of a kind of um, weird thing because you can't see what your results are. You've just got to infer it. In as terms of are more people opening your emails or a few people opening them mm -hmm. and with with that um with that caveat i mean what is an average open rate i mean it, i know it varies wildly doesn't it but totally um <laughs> It's, it is a, it's an interesting one because, you know, we're, we're talking a lot in this podcast about how to double your open rate. Um, and, you know, a, a joke that I often make is that I can double anyone's open rates in seconds. Um, and the way I will do that is I will remove half of the people from their email list who haven't opened anything for a while. Mm -hmm. Then the next time you send out an email blast, guess what? then if the same number of people opened as last time, then the open rate has doubled. Mm -hmm. So it is a very subjective term because it depends on lots of factors. It depends on how engaged your audience is at the moment. It depends there, but then there is the content, there's the type of business you're in. Um, but what I would say is that I've got clients that have messed things up to the point where they're getting a 0.2% open rate with Google um, because they have upset Google to that point. Um, I've got... Typical clients may be starting with a 10 to 20% open rate, and that's you know just that's what they've been getting without getting any advice from me, without using any of my software or anything. Um, if people are managing their engagement well and they're doing everything they can, then you could expect maybe 35, 36, 37% open rates. That's the kind of amount that I'm getting typically with my with my mailing list when I'm managing the engagement. Um, 
and then the other side of it is just well how many people or if if a new person signs up to your mailing list what is the likelihood of them opening something as well so a good a good barometer is what percentage of new contacts are opening something from me um and if you're managing things well then i've got clients where 80 percent of their new signups will open an email from them at some point in the first few weeks so you know there are lots of different ways to measure it but if you just look at the pure open rate i would say that you can consider yourself be doing well if you're getting more than 30 percent opens Okay. <clears throat> okay. So most of us, uh, you know, a bit of room for improvement there, Definitely. um, for sure. Um, and we will be using some kind of email software provider. So it may be active campaign, a Weber infusion soft, whatever it may be. Yep. Are some of these software providers just better for this than others? And, and if so, who? It's a very interesting one because if you can go to any Facebook group or mailing list or discussion forum um, about any of these platforms and you can be guaranteed there will always be people complaining about deliverability and saying that emails aren't getting through, they will be blaming the platform. And you know, if someone's blaming Infusionsoft, then you can take the word Infusionsoft out, put active campaign in, and someone else will be saying the same thing. So it's a very, very, um, it's, it's perception-based, uh, very subjective. Um, but in reality these days, every single one of these email platforms has a very de devoted, dedicated email compliance team making sure they're not on blacklist, making sure they're getting a good 99 point something percent delivery rate to the other servers. Um, there are, in some cases, the reputation of the system sending it has a small in impact, but I can be absolutely certain and say that if you switch from one provider to another, then you are going to experience a drop in your open rate, regardless of where you're moving from and to. And the reason for that is because one of the reasons that you will suffer from poor open rates is if you do something that looks like a spammer and guess what spammers do they move from one platform to the next to the next so anytime google or microsoft or any of the big players see that you've moved platforms they will instantly think hang on there's something going on here and it might be that things recover again but you will always have a, a dip to start with and it's unlikely that you're going to do much better than you did before because you've got to build everything up again um so i would say that um in terms of how good the platforms are at getting their emails delivered they're all pretty good um they all have the occasional problem um but it's not a reason to switch platforms what i would tend to re when i recommend a email platform comparing one to another what i will look at is how easy is it to manage the various parameters that will help you to improve your deliverability um, and the big thing that i'll talk about later with that is engagement because if you can't easily identify the people who are and are not opening your emails then it's going to be more difficult to send the right things to the right people at the right time so um no, I won't. I won't call many platforms out for being good because there's there's lots of good ones. But um, ConvertKit is one that goes on my real kind of do not touch with a barge pole list because they have a very very kind of um, very a very a very poor way of measuring and managing engagement, and you can't even download the data to use from, from third-party tools. So all the, e all the email deliverability tools and software that I've written, I can't even connect that up to ConvertKit because they don't make that 
data available. Now, I'm hoping that's going to change. So maybe, you know, if people listen to this a few months down the line, maybe that's changed. But the biggest thing that matters to me is how easy is it to manage the engagement? And most of the platforms are okay. Um, Infusionsoft, as an example, is really good. Active Campaign, you have to jump through a few hoops. And to do a real good job, then you need to use my software to make it easier. Um, but it does depend very much. And I'd say, you know, because there are so many different platforms out there, then, you know, if you're choosing one at the start, then, you know, manage, engagement management is one of the important things. If you're already using a platform, though, it's not a reason to switch as long as everything else is okay. No, that's good. Well, uh, I can speak from bitter experience here because I actually moved from Aweber, which I'd used for many years, um, to Active Campaign which I really like, by the way. I mean, I like Active Campaign, but when I did that, I, I wasn't aware that you could fall foul of this. Absolutely. And, uh, and I took a real hit um, early on. You know, it just wasn't the same. And, um, and it took some time to get over that. So um, is, there any, is there any way we can, you know, if we are moving platforms for some reason, is there any way to manage that process better than I did? Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, the thing, the thing is, it's all about who you who you move across first. Because as I've already mentioned, it's all about who is engaging with you at the moment, and are you only mailing those? So if you can identify who has opened something from you in the last thirty days, and when you move to a new platform, send emails to those people first, because that will then you build up a good reputation with your new platform, because they want to see that you're a good sender, and at the same time, you're still getting a reasonable open rate, and that helps your domain sending reputation with people like Google, Microsoft, because one of the things they're doing now is they are crowdsourcing your reputation based on which of, you know, let's, let's supposing that you've got 10,000 people on your mailing list. On average, half of those will be on Google. So Google will look at those 5,000 people and say, right, how many of those people are opening Adrian's emails right now? And if it's only 5%, 10%, then Adrian gets a poor domain reputation score from Google. If I'm getting 30 40%, then I'm getting a good engagement reputation. So it's very much around understanding what they're looking for and just as much as you can stack the odds in your favor by only starting with the most engaged people. Then you can start to go further back, but it is like the law of diminishing returns. The, fir- the longer it is since someone's opened something from you, the less likely they are to ever open anything ever again. Yeah, sure, sure. And um, what happens if we do nothing? <laughs> you know, if we don't do anything about deliverability these days, I mean, what uh, what is that going to look like for us? Oh, it's not a very good picture um, because you know, the thing that people, a lot of people still don't get is how much the email landscape has changed. Because if you wind the clock back to those wonderful years, 10, 10 years ago, you could build up a big list, you know, get as many people onto it, you, then you basically spam the crap out of them, email them as much as you like, and then you keep emailing it until they buy, until they die, or until they unsubscribe. And that was, you know, that was how everyone did it. And that's how people still do it today in some cases. But if they do that now and just keep emailing, keep emailing, then you will see a very, very um, continuous, constant reduction in the number of people opening your emails. Because typically I'm seeing about 10% of your audience 
disengages on a monthly basis. And that's just kind of, that's the law of averages. Sometimes people, you know, they, they turn off their mail address, they might change jobs, they might lose interest, whatever it is, then, you know, you are typically going to lose 10% of your audience through disengagement and apathy and everything else on a monthly basis. So, you know, you don't need to be a genius mathematician to work out that as time goes on, then you are going to get fewer and fewer people opening. Now, obviously, if you've got a good lead generation in place and you're refilling the hopper from the top all the time, you might not notice as much. But if you're literally getting no new leads and just keep emailing the old list time and time again, then you will see things decline. And that's one of the reasons that people say that email is dying when actually it's not. It's just people aren't necessarily getting enough leads and managing their engagement. Yeah, sure, 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 absolutely. So these four steps, talk to us about those. Okay, so very, very simple. Um, the first thing you want to do is you want to protect your reputation. And the way you do that is you scrub your email list. You make sure there are no spam traps on there. You make sure that there's no um, no dead addresses that your email marketing platform hasn't picked up on. Make sure that there's, you know, you're not sending too many emails to roll accounts like sales at or info at and that kind of thing. And scrubbing the list will find all those different bad email addresses. And then you can choose, in most cases, what you would do is you would stop emailing all of the addresses that have been identified as bad. And that's just a good way of making sure that you're not hitting spam traps. Um, haven't got time to go into the detail about spam trap, but the simple version is they are email addresses that have been created either to catch people scraping stuff off of the internet, which I'm sure no one listening to this would ever do, um, or alternatively, people who aren't keeping their list clean because if an email address stops working, then it will, it will bounce for a while, but then they will reactivate that address as a spam trap, and if you're still emailing that address afterwards, then you go onto the bad boys list as well. So scrubbing the list helps avoid that, helps keep your reputation clean, and doesn't cost a huge amount of money. Um, the, the list scrubbing services will typically say you should do this every three months, but they would, wouldn't they? Because they get the money out of it. But I would say that if you've never done it ever, then you should. And it probably makes sense to do it periodically, maybe once a year, maybe more frequently than that, if you keep turning up more problems when you do scrub the list. Um, but definitely worth doing. So you would use, you would go to a specialist or use a specialist piece of software for this because there are tools built in with, you know, active campaign, for example, where it's, it will, it will imply that it's going to help you clean up the list. In fact, it yeah. may even be called list Absolutely. cleanup. So, but you're, are you saying that's not really adequate or? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get rid of the nasties. It will certainly help you find the addresses that might have disengaged or might no longer work or anything like that. But if it is an actual toxic address that's going to cause you problems if you mail it, then it's very difficult for the email providers to help you identify that. So yeah, third, third party tools to do that will, will do the job. Um, and it's one of the things that I've actually added to my, I, I don't have any list scrubbing software myself, but my email deliverability utilities that I've got, I've got a free integration that helps you scrub your list in place on the platform because normally you have to download the list to a csv file upload it some uh, upload it to the scrubbing service scrub the list download the result upload it into your email platform and it's a right faff when you do that um, so i've written a little tool that actually integrates with that and you just literally press a button and it will either scrub your entire list or a particular segment and then it supplies a tag with the results you decide what to do so nice and simple and i'll share more details about that when we get to the end bit good good stuff good stuff so, so that was step one. So basically scrubbing the list is step yep. one. 
Yeah, absolutely. So second step then, so scrubbing the list is one of the ways to help your reputation. Um, the next thing that matters massively is authentication. And this is about making sure that firstly, you're telling the world who you trust to send emails on your behalf. And secondly, making sure that your emails are being digitally signed by you. Um, so the first thing is called SPF, which stands for Sender Policy Framework. Um, and this tells the world which email systems you trust. So let's supposing that you're using um, G Suite for your business emails and then you're using ActiveCampaign for your marketing emails, then you have one, you only have one SPF record and in the SPF record, it would say that you trust Google and ActiveCampaign. So that way then, when those emails come from those providers, the recipients will check that against your SPF record and they'll see a big tick in the box if they've come from the right place. If someone else has then sent it elsewhere and they're trying to forge your email, then that gets treated with suspicion, obviously. Um, but spammers don't use SPF, so that's one reason reason to set that up it's just one way of showing that you're legitimate so that's nice and simple um, and again most email platforms I think almost all of them you might have to dig around sometimes but they will give you the details as to how to set SPF up for those platforms then the second part of it is called DKIM so domain keys identified mail um, again, I'm going to I'm going to kind of call out ConvertKit as um, giving bad advice here, actually, because they say that you should only set up DKIM if you've got more than fifty thousand emails a month going out, which is not strictly true. As long as you have got a good sending reputation, you should always set up DKIM, because Google in particular will use that digital signature that gets attached to every single email as a way of proving that it was from you, proving it was legitimate, and if it's been DKIM signed, then it means that no, it can't have been forged. Um, so again, most email platforms, even ConvertKit will do that for you. You just have to make a bit of a fuss. Um, but you know, MailChimp, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, you know, the list goes on. They will allow you to set this up. It might be called email authentication. It might be called DKIM. It might be digitally signing. But dig around. You can find it very, very important to do that. Okay. All right. So that's that's step two, those two. Yeah. Um, if you, I will quickly mention DMARC, which is the third authentication method, which again is, 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 is worth doing, but you have to be very careful with DMARC and make sure whoever sets it up for you knows what they're doing because DMARC will, will tell the recipients to reject and throw emails in the bin, not even the spam folder, if it's not set up right. So be very careful with that. But if you've got a properly set up DMARC record, that is another indicator that you're legitimate. But be careful with that. You know, DKIM, you can't get wrong. It either works or nothing happens. SPF, um, you know, it's not the end of the world if you get that wrong, but, you know, you should make sure it's correct. But if you get DMARC wrong, your emails will suddenly stop going. So be very okay. careful there. Proceed with a bit of care. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. So, so we've talked about scrubbing, scrubbing the list. We've talked about authentication. The yep. third step. Okay, so the third thing is about whitelisting, um, and this is really, really important because. Normally, you are completely at the whim of Google, you're at the whim of Microsoft, whichever your email provider is, they are going to decide which emails they show to you and which ones they don't. And whitelisting is a way of forcing them to show the emails that you tell them that you want to see. So if you're so as an email marketer, you want to be sharing these whitelisting instructions with your audience. Um, and it's a bit pointless doing it by email because if the emails aren't getting through, they won't do it. So it means that when someone signs up for your list, the first thing you have to show them on your thank you page is how to whitelist you. Um, 
and this depends very much on um, on the platform that they use. Now, the really clever solution um, is to actually detect what platform they're using and show them personalized whitelisting instructions. So if they're using G Suite or Gmail, you can tell them how to set up a filter to always bypass the spam folder. If they're using Hotmail or Office 365 or something like that, then you can show them different instructions. Um, and there's ways of actually developing custom code that goes onto a thank you page that can do that. I've done that for a few clients. I've done that on my, one of my own sign-up pages. I do that. Um, but if that sounds like too much work, you can also get your own uh, custom whitelisting instructions generated that will just show all of the different platforms on there and how to whitelist you. And if you go to a website and the address is simply whitelist.guru, uh, I'll just repeat that, whitelist.guru. Then there's a guy called Chris Lang who has created a do-it-yourself whitelisting instruction generator. You put your name, your brand, your email address in there, press a button, and it will give you a nice, pretty HTML page with your personalized instructions on that you can copy, save, put on your thank you page, off you go. So nice, very that's important. handy. Handy. It's very, very useful. Bear in mind that not everyone will follow those instructions, but even if 10% of them do, then you're doing yourself a favor. And if people complain they're not getting your emails ever, then those are the instructions they need to see. Okay, okay. So, so, that, so that was whitelisting. Yep. Um, so that leaves us one final step. Now, this is a little bit, um, a little bit tenuous because it isn't just one step. This is more about change your mindset forever. Um, because as soon as you stop doing this, then this goes back to when we talked about what happens if you do nothing. And this is all about managing your engagement, making sure that you are only sending emails to the people that have opened from you most recently. Um, and if it, if you find people that haven't opened for a while, then you need to maybe send them a re-engagement campaign that I'll talk about in a sec. And if they still haven't engaged at that point, then basically you get rid of them off your list. You've got to be very ruthless with the way that you manage engagement because you know, as I said earlier on, if only 5% of your audience is opening something, Google and Microsoft and Yahoo will think that you're you know, sending out complete and utter garbage and they will start putting your emails into the promotions, into the spam, into the junk and so on. So it's important that you are maximizing the chances of people opening your emails by only sending your emails to the people that have recently opened something. And one of the biggest questions that I get asked is, well, how, how far back should I go? And it depends very much on whether you've got a problem or not. If you haven't got a problem, then my typical rule of thumb is to send emails to people that have opened something within the last 90 days. Um, if you've got a problem, you might need to dial that back a bit, or if you want to have a really super engaged list, then you need to dial that back to 30 days. Um, and sometimes you can have kind of a two or a three tier strategy here. So you might say that people that have opened something in the last 30 days, I'm gonna send them everything. I'll send them maybe two, maybe even three emails a week. Um, if they've opened something between 30 and 90 days, then maybe I'll send something every week or two. Um, if they've opened something beyond 90 days, then ideally you would just put them through a re-engagement campaign when they reach 90 days of no engagement. And if they ignore that, delete them. Some people will still send the occasional reminder to those people. I would say if it's more than a year, never send them. But maybe between 90 days and a year, then maybe send something every month or two just to give them another chance. But it is, you know, the law of averages says that the longer it is 
that someone's opened something, so longer since someone opened something, the less likely they are to open anything. And the other thing to look at as well is we talked briefly about new contacts and the likelihood of them opening something. If someone signs up for your lead magnet and then they haven't opened anything from you within the first seven to 14 days, the chances are they will never, ever, ever open anything. And again, they're just going to be there hurting your sending reputation. So another thing that I recommend is if someone, if, if, you're, if you've got a process in place for your new contacts, then maybe put something in where when it reaches two weeks and they haven't opened anything from you, maybe put them through a little reminder. And then again, if there's no engagement, get rid of them because you know, let's face it, if someone signs up for your freebie and they won't even open that, the chances are of then they're never going to be interested in anything else as well. So, you know, that that is the main thing. It's quite, um, it can be a very arduous task managing your engagement, but the dividends that it pays off are massive. That is what will make the biggest difference. And even though you will see that you are mailing fewer people, then the open rate will go up very quickly. Um, you know, I know that when, what we've talked about in the past is how long does it take before you see results? And... I would say typically it can take between one and three months for you to get really good results. When I've been working with you know, some of my private clients, I had one that came in, um, they are on a just under a 12% open rate. And within three months, then their open rate had reached 25%. Um, and even though they were mailing fewer people, the actual number of of people opening the emails had gone up. So obviously the number of people hadn't doubled, but it had certainly gone up a bit um, from when it was at 11, 12%. So, you know, it can take a few months, but as long as you are consistent, then that's what works. And the little tale of woe that I will share is don't let the fear get to you. Don't let the fear of, of loss and the fear of letting go because that same client the month after sent a bunch of email broadcasts to their entire list again without managing the engagement. And within two days, Google had downgraded their reputation and their open rate fell through the floor. It took another month to get that back. So you have got to keep your nerve and you've got to be very consistent with this. But the more you do that, the better you'll be rewarded. Wow. So with those really old people, you you just feel it's just not worth having them on the list at all. You know, no, the chance ab- just, absolutely yeah. not. Because I mean, typically, if you send an email broadcast, just the people that have opened more than 90 days ago, you will get maybe a 2 3% open rate if you're lucky. But if you keep mailing those people that don't open, the chances are that, that you'll get 10% fewer people seeing your email in the first place. So it becomes a very simple trade-off that, yes, you might get a few more opens, but fewer people long-term will see those emails. Obviously, just because they're not opening the emails doesn't mean you can't use those addresses for Facebook custom audiences and retargeting and things like that. So there's still a value in that data. It's just that you shouldn't really email them you know, very often, if at all. And, it, and I mean, um, I suppose there's a bit of value in, you know, you, you could go to the lengths with, if we call those, those people kind of dead subscribers, inactive subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose you could have a crack at, you know, if, if you had a large number of these, you could maybe take them to another platform and, and you know, try a send or two to them from yeah, a different platform. Although it's, it's interesting you say that because typically, you know, 
particularly now, Google and their machine learning is cleverer than all of us put together. Mm -hmm. And unless you can send a separate email from a separate domain with absolutely no connection to anything else that you've got, then it will probably be linked back to you somehow and your domain sending reputation will still take a hit. So it doesn't really matter whether you do it from your current mail platform or a different one. It is more just about making sure that your overall engagement still stays high. So, you know, if you are going to try and send re-engagement mails to the older inactive contacts, make sure you're sending lots of good stuff to the people that are opening so that the kind of the poor performance is slightly more lost in the noise. And that's why I said, you know, having this kind of two or three tier process where you're sending the most content to the people that are engaging the most. And that helps you then because at least then you've got a good reputation to start with. And if you are sending to the inactive people, then it's not going to drag you down as much as if you're doing that regularly. It's no, it's great. And I suppose the good news is that to a large extent, we can all, we should be able to automate Uh, a lot of this process, the reactivation process, that kind of thing? Yes. Um, A lot of the email platforms have some level of that. Um, Again, um, they'll kind of help you do maybe, you know, this is the 80-20 rule all over again. They'll help you do kind of the the 20% that has 80% of the impact, but you can always do it slightly better. That's one of the reasons that one of the bits of software that I wrote actually makes it easier to do that because sometimes, you know, I'll I'll use uh, both ActiveCampaign and Infusionsoft are good examples of this, is that they will give you, you know, enough to do a semi-decent job, but if you want to really get down into into the weeds in this and say, right, I want to have different strategies for 30 days versus 90 days versus more than 90 days, then it requires a lot of hard work and manual reporting. So sometimes the software that I've got makes that easier. But, you know, you, you, there's always a level of it that you can automate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, great. Really, really helpful. So to wrap up then, um, if listeners only took one nugget or piece of advice away, what should that be? If I was going to choose one thing out of that, obviously all four are important, but I think, you know, managing, assuming that you haven't bought a list or something horrific like that, managing your engagement on an ongoing basis is the most effective way of keeping things healthy. Because that way then, um, assuming that spam traps and things like that don't open your emails, which most of them don't, then as long as you stop sending emails to people that aren't opening, then that will keep things clean. It will keep your domain reputation up. um, And, you know, it will mean that as time goes on, then more people will see your emails. So engagement, engagement, engagement. That's the, that's the key one. Excellent. Where's the best place, Adrian, if people want to get more from you, where, where should they go? Where can they check you out? Nice and simple. So the first thing I've got a free email health check service. Um, and that works with most email marketing platforms. I'm adding more all the time. Um, so right now, if you've got Infusionsoft, Active Campaign, HubSpot, MailChimp, SendinBlue, Constant Contact, then it already works with those. And I've, I've, I'm adding others in. And that will just give you a nice, simple score between zero and 100, telling you how well you're managing your engagement right now, give you some hints and tips to improve that. And to get that, you can go to email health check dot net and just sign up um, if you're not using those platforms then sign up there anyway and you can get added to my list i will send out i'm always sending out blog posts and hints and tips things like that and also you can find me on facebook facebook.com slash adrian savage um, connect with me there and always happy to point people in the right direction if they need any help that is excellent and i can vouch for adrian because uh i've you helped me um i think we had a look at some of my stuff with your your software yep. and, and very enlightening it was it was too and i've, I've begun to do some of the, the the things that you recommended excellent so there we go 
Good stuff. Well, Adrian, this has been really valuable. So thank you so much. And um, we've said how people can get more from you. That's great. So just to say thank you, this has been really helpful. No, I've um, really enjoyed it. And thank you very much for inviting me onto the podcast. You are very welcome. And I will talk to you soon. Great stuff. Thanks, Rob. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.